Hey there, I'm Sarah, host of the How Does One podcast and high school senior. If you're new to the podcast, don't forget to follow us and leave a rating and review. I upload new podcasts every Friday discussing topics and answering questions specifically geared towards helping teenagers get the most out of their high school years. Today, I'm here with Abby Porter, high school junior and artist, to help me discuss whether or not hobbies should be a career. How does one handle the transition into starting their own independent life in college? Just to start us off, let's do four things with Abby. So, number one, how was your day? So I woke up and then I went to my youth group event where we went into a creek and we walked to Whataburger and that let me tell you that was wild um I brought a waterproof backpack but at some point we couldn't touch like so we were walking through the creek and we couldn't touch the bottom and so I'm I almost drowned like I was swimming as hard as I could with rocks in my shoes (laughs) and like I'm holding my backpack with one arm and I'm like snorting out water (laughs) so I'm like (laughs) So I eventually just chucked my backpack onto land, but my phone's in rice beside me, so we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully it'll be okay. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. I finally got Whataburger. I feel like that's a really sketchy youth event. Like, who's who's taking you through I a creek? Don't. It was. <laughs> I. <laughs> it was so crazy. There's so many snakes. Oh my gosh. Wow, you kind of remember, okay, wow, this is really not put together thought, but um, Abby and I were walking together through her neighborhood like a week or two ago, and um, she's living in a new neighborhood, but there's one across from it that's kind of been there for a little bit longer, and so there's like this forest, and we were going to go back there, and the lady was like, um, that's actually part of our property, um, don't go back there, there are snakes, yeah, it was definitely not part of her property, her fence did not go that far back, yeah, (laughs) um, that's not how property works, but, yeah, kind of reminds me of that. Excuse me, I played Monopoly at least (laughs) seven times, you do not get a voice here. Um, okay, so, thing number two with Abby, uh, what is something you carry with you at all times? So, I'm allergic to everything. So I have my EpiPen <laughs> and everything else on Earth in my backpack. Um, and then, like, phone. But, like, everybody does that. Um, I usually have, like, an Altoid 10 with me because I'm terrified of having bad breath. So that's another thing. Um, yeah, that's it. That's really interesting. I know that you do always carry the Altoids with you, but I honestly just thought it was for the aesthetic. Listen here. <laughs> It's a medical condition of bad breath, <laughs> not a game. <laughs> One time, okay, back to the EpiPens also. Um, so I do carry EpiPens as well, but I don't really keep up with them. Like sometimes I'll have them and sometimes I don't. And I really should have them at all times. But And so I had put them in a bag and my bag got dirty. So I had to put it in the dryer and I forgot they were in there. And the whole time the dryer was going, I was like, man, there's something really loud in there. But I didn't know what it was. And so we pull it out and my EpiPens are in there. And like they come in this little... 
Yeah, they come in this little plastic container and then the EpiPen's inside, right? Well, my EpiPen, like the plastic, like I guess it got really hot and shrank or something. I don't know. But now the EpiPen doesn't come out of the plastic. <laughs> so I have these EpiPens with me and I haven't gotten a refill and they don't come out. And so they're really just there to give me false security. And it's, it's a wild ride. <laughs> now you have to also bring a hammer with you everywhere. <laughs> Some oil to help slide it out. Oh my god! Just some butter in a microwave. You got to <laughs> with you everywhere you go. Just oil. Uh, so thing number three. What is your funnest memory from quarantine? Well, this morning was a good one. Um, <laughs> and I moved over quarantine. Um, we got shut down though halfway through. We had already packed everything up because um, our insurance papers or something. So we were like frozen in time and had to live with some friends. But that was really fun. I got to get a lot closer to her. And then when we finally moved in, I got to paint my room orange. My room is orange. (laughs) You stand in the kitchen and my room is so bright. You will be orange in the kitchen. But (laughs) I love how like time I try to like tell somebody like, yeah, I painted my room. And they're like, oh, what color? And I'm like orange and then they continue to ask me about like oh well do you mean like a good pumpkin like fall leaf orange like a soft orange or do you mean like neon ugly horrible orange which one Abby and I'm like it's neon I'm like it's neon and they're like oh but you definitely don't mean that you mean a pumpkin fall orange you don't mean construction color orange and I'm like no I do and then they look at me and they don't know what to say. And so that's that's fun. Um, okay, so the fourth thing out of four things with Abby is what is your shoe size? I got big feet. Um, it bullies me for it. They're actually not that big. It's only like a size nine women's. I feel like I know more people who wear a size nine than like any other size. Like yeah. if I meet a girl who wears a size six or something, I'm like, bro, where's, where's your feet at? Like, how do you yeah. stand? Going to ice skating rinks and asking for your size, for some reason, it was like a competition. Like with my friend, <laughs> when we were little, it was like, who could have the biggest feet? For some reason, that was the thing. That was cool. Big feet. <laughs> um but like I'd ask for like a size three and then my friend would walk up and she's like a couple years older than me and ask for a size six and everybody would be like she's so cool she's got (laughs) feet that's not cool I used to be like that too because I was in like second grade and I was wearing like a size four or five and I would like tell people I was like I got big feet and that was just like really cool because you're like still young yeah size four or five or something I can't remember but it was big enough that I felt I felt like I had earned something. Mm-hmm. I felt like a new being. Yeah, it's it's just, it's the equivalent of like the markings on the door frame of how tall you are. Your shoe size is just an equivalent of that. Yeah, shows growth among children. <laughs> so today's topic is how does one know if their passion should be a career? So we're just gonna talk a little bit about um, the different kinds of passions and the different kinds of careers and hobbies and just knowing if your hobby has value and knowing how far to take it. Mm-hmm. So let's first talk a little bit about uh, like what is a hobby? Yes. So to me, a hobby is something that is never going to be a career, like something that you do and it's typically a phase. It's something that you usually get into and you master it, and you may keep it for your whole life, but typically it's just a phase of your life. 
Um, it's not something that you could earn money doing, and it's not your passion. It's just something that you do because you enjoy it, purely because you enjoy it. Yeah, like for me, I do pen paling letters, and like that, you, you can't make money off of that, mm-hmm. but I enjoy doing them. They're just like making little gifts for me, and so I enjoy mailing them out. I enjoy the whole process of getting to meet new people and like learn about them, but like yeah, I can't make money off of that. That's not something I can get rolling. Like, there's no industry for it. There's no way you could be a professional pen pal. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be a celebrity pen pal. Not in this economy. <laughs> um, but, like, with that, you could take it to a different level and not focus on the um, creative thing itself and focus on the industry around it. So there are plenty of YouTube channels based on pen paling that are getting like a million views and like having consistent people checking in and they buy stickers that they sell, you Mm -hmm. know, stuff like that. Like it's additional, but their hobby itself is not what's creating revenue. So let's talk about, sorry. I feel like, sorry, I'm going to say this real quick about hobbies (laughs) is that they usually get you stepping towards your passion, like your dream. Yeah. Like, my passion is art and stuff, but way back when duct tape was a thing, that was my favorite thing to do. Like, I went through phases of my life, and every phase, every, like, hobby phase that I had, like, took me another step towards one day becoming, like, a painting and drawing and sketching artist. Like, at first it was, like, duct tape, and then it moved to hair, and then it moved to, like, um, remember there's a really short um, slime phase in there? Don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Um, like, sidewalk chalk and, um, sewing and knitting and all these phases, I, like, mastered them over, like, the course of a year. And every single one, I was like, this is what I want to do professionally. And then I would, like, master it and move on. And the reason why that drawing is still my, like, my favorite thing to do, not my calling. It's my favorite thing to do and it's my passion and it's what I want to do with my life it's only still there because I couldn't master it and because I I was uncomfortable. Like, I, was un- I didn't draw originally because I was uncomfortable that I wasn't good at it, but it actually kept me drawing. It's the only thing that's kept me drawing. And um, all those steps before that were vital to getting to where I am now. Like, they helped me learn different skills to apply them all in one place, art. So I feel like hobbies can get you where you want to go. Yeah, I actually like that. That's a really good point because I totally relate to that. Like, I remember in middle school, my mom used to make me go to Joann's and do, like, the craft classes because I enjoyed crafting, but I didn't have something specific that I liked to do. So I would do, like, I did crochet for a long time. I did sewing. I did um, painting and drawing. But, like, that was fun. And even now, like, I still paint, but I don't. I don't get a drive from it like I just do it to you know take up some time whereas music yeah it's a hobby whereas music um I'm constantly growing I'm constantly learning new things and I still like I almost feel like I'm incapable and like I need to grow more before I'm ready and I think that's how you know that that is more of a career and a calling because it's something you'll never reach the peak of like you can keep on getting better and you enjoy the process there's exponential exploration that was I like that sentence. Wow, that was a nice quote right there. So the next thing I want to talk about is a job versus a career. Mm-hmm. So do you want to give the definition of this one or should I say that? 
Yeah, that's fine. Um, so for me, I feel like a job is something you go do every day because you need money. It's something that you do um, just to take up the time and it's not really something that you have fire for. So like if you're a mailman, you probably didn't go to college to be a mailman. Or if you serve ice cream, that's probably not what you sat in your bed dreaming about as a career but it's what's going to help you make money and it's what's going to help you move forward. So that's how I would describe a job. Whereas I feel like a career is what you're passionate about. It's something you chose. It's something you pursued, such as being a vet or um, an illustrator or a music producer. Yes. Like, I feel like career is what you, um, not necessarily to your passion because that doesn't always, not everyone's fortunate enough to do that, to get to do that, but it is typically what you plan to do for your life. What you plan to say, like, for the majority of your life is what your job is it's what defines you more than a job like your career is what defines you I feel like and a job is something you do temporarily to get something to get to a goal which is hopefully your dream career um and then the last thing is a calling so what would you describe a calling as I feel like a lot of people um throw around calling like the word calling as in like oh I'm called to be a teacher or I'm called to do this or that and I feel like there are callings outside of direct like ministry from God you know I feel like religiously there's mm-hmm. um there's a gray line there with callings but I feel like a calling is something that you have been born to do like something that either that is just you feel God calling it to you or you feel like there's no other way you would exist on earth without doing this. That's, that's my definition. Yeah. I would say like in my own life, um, CFNI, which is a Christian university, it's not like a legit university. It's more like a ministry school or like, um, I guess you could compare seminary to it where you don't get a degree, but it's more like a certification. Um, like that is something I feel called to do. And it's not something that I came up with on my own. Like I feel like that is where God wants me to go with my life because music is such a big part of me. So taking that step further, like that would be my calling of like worship versus music. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So um, how do you know if your hobby has value? Because it's so easy to like look at your crafts and be like, oh man, no one would buy this. But also it's very easy to look at uh, a a song you wrote and be like, oh, everyone's going to want this song. It's going to be playing on the radio. So how does someone know if their hobby has value or not? I've seen this play out in really different ways. Like I feel like one way is that your parents are a big part of this where your parents either are very blindly supporting, like they give you a false sense of pride and just only build you up because they want to be supportive, but they actually set them up for failure because they don't see that not every hobby is meant to be a career, you know, or a job or a calling. (laughs) Um, But I feel like there's another end of the spectrum where parents can't see potential, like potential to make a living off of it. So it's really hard when you have either end of the spectrum and you're trying to figure out what to do. Um, I'm very lucky to have parents that are supportive and not just of saying like, oh, that's a really good cow. Mom, that's a dog. You know, like they not only see 
that it's good art and because I'm their kid, but they see that it could potentially make money because I've already been doing this. And they work with me in thinking out long-term plans with um, potentially art school or potentially college or potentially neither. They just make sure that I think through everything, which I think is good. Yeah, I think that's very true. Like I, I see, I mostly saw it in elementary school and middle school when parents were like, oh, wow, like you can sing. Oh my gosh, like you're going to go record albums and you're going to mm-hmm. be incredible. And like, I'd look at the kid and be like, bro, you suck at singing. Like, don't listen to them at all. They're <laughs> wrong, you know? Yeah. And they like try and tell you you're better than you are because they're afraid of hurting you. Yes. Um, but I think there's also that discouragement of like, oh, no, like you're not going to make it. But in reality, like um, I feel like our parents and the generation of that uh, age group, they see art as something you do on the side, not a career. Yes. Whereas now that we're in the age of technology, you can make so much more money doing advertisements and doing, mm-hmm. you know, podcast cover images and things like that, you know it's not so much that they don't think you're capable it's that they don't understand that there is potential there and that there is a um a way to make money through that and so having that middle ground with your parents is very it's definitely something not everybody gets but it's a very cool place to be and i think if that's something you would want from your parents then showing them the industry and um, even averages of people's income who are working and what you want to do. So like mm-hmm. uh, if you wanted to do graphic design, like showing your parents how much money people can make doing that, even though it's an art job, it makes a good amount of money, you know? So I think that would be a really good thing to help find your parents um, and help communicate with them and find that middle ground with them. You really just got to make a PowerPoint. Like PowerPoint <laughs> impresses parents so much. Like if you make a really good PowerPoint with actual like statistics and like good points, that's at least a good step towards getting what you want except I have never made a powerpoint and I refuse I've never made one in school I never learned how I just serious I'm dead serious I hate them so much I make a poster every time every time there's a powerpoint assigned I go to the teacher and I beg please let me make a a poster because I can't I can't That's so weird. Yeah, when I was in public school, um, right now I'm in a private school, but when I was in public school, like, that was the go-to, like, this is how you do your assignments, and Aslan, who, uh, my little brother, he's also in this private school, he does PowerPoints, like, once a month, so, dang, Abby, (laughs) one day you're gonna have to present your art in a PowerPoint, and you're gonna be like, um... A really chaotic time. I can't bring posters everywhere. It's gonna happen <laughs> sooner or later. I'm gonna have to learn. <laughs> so, when should you have a plan B or like something to fall back on? Is that something that uh, creatives should be focusing on, or how much weight should that have on somebody's career path? I believe that plan B should exist, but I believe that if you can't stop, like if you crutch too much on plan b's they can make the plan b's a reality so i believe that you need to focus and put full force into your dream and your first goal and the plan b is backup plan b is an art teacher because i really like showing people that like in art class that art isn't so horrible and (laughs) that it can be funny and it can be stupid and just showing art concepts to people that don't get it that's like my favorite thing to do not my favorite thing but it's a good fallback so (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a really good suggestion or like piece of advice is your fallback doesn't have to be completely unrelated to what you're passionate about. Exactly. So for me, like I would totally love to be a worship leader, but if you're familiar with the church, they do not make any money. Mm-hmm. Like they make like small, small bits, but honestly, like teachers get paid better than a worship leader could at an average size church. And so for me, like as of right now, my fallback is probably going to be like graphic design or web design. It's not even going to be like a music related because I don't enjoy music production. I don't enjoy like just doing, you know, background songs. I really enjoy the actual leading aspect of that. That's something I feel called to. So for me, I do enjoy graphic design and I enjoy bits of art and composition. So doing something like that and like helping people design their website that involves a lot of other gifts I have such as socializing and communication and envisioning things you know it's something that I enjoy and it's currently my fallback yeah fallbacks can look very different for each person yeah definitely nobody's Um, the same and everybody has different communication skills and different sub passions I guess like different interests and skills within that So let's talk a little bit about like a career college. So sometimes people go to art school or they go to music school. Is that something that everybody should be doing or how does someone know if that's the right path for them? Well, um, I know that most likely I'm going to art school because it has everything I could need. It's feel like for my personal path, it's not enough just to major in art. I need to go to an art school and take things exclusively contributing to my career, like like con- directly contributing to things that I'm going to be doing in art. Um, like I know with my mom, her career is, well, her job right now is being a receptionist at a law firm. And she went to college for, um, not the whole time, but a minute. And she loved art, so she took art class um, but I feel like where, as with me, where it's it's my life, like it's what I do and it's what I love and it's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, art school is is more relevant to what I need, um, and I feel like that's different for everyone. Like not everyone should go to pen pal school um, <laughs> or IT school. Um, I feel like what's best for your opportunities in the moment like if there's an art school across the country and there's a really good course at a like a college in your city it just depends on um on the way things play out and how much you think you could potentially like chase what you want to do what you're planning on doing how like close and realistic that is to you right there Yeah, that's true, because you don't want to go chasing after something that's unrealistic, you know. For Mm -hmm. me, the ministry school I want to go to is really affordable because it's not a actual college, it's not accredited, it's more of an education course. So for me, like, that is a very realistic thing that I'm currently working on. Um, Whereas if I wanted to go to some school in New York for music, you know, that's a little less realistic because it's going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. It's far from home. Um, You know, that just isn't going to work for me. And so being realistic and seeing what's near me and taking advantage of that, you know, as creatives, being creative in your thinking about how to achieve those goals is very, very important. Like, don't get 
uh, tunnel-minded, you know, being like, yeah. this is the only way for me to achieve my goals, you know? You have to directly plan from, like, what you want to do with your life. And if you don't know that, that's hard, too. But if mm-hmm. you have a plan, like, if you have a goal in mind, you going to college or going to art school or going to a university and taking classes that directly contribute to that is important. So what could be some negatives of turning your passion or your hobby into your career? Um, I feel like this works for all arts, um, not just painting and drawing. It works mm-hmm. for musically and anything creative. Working in the arts, if you, can, if you pursue that as a career, you can get art block and you can lose the passion for it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard whenever you chase something that you love so much because that could make you fall out of love with that yeah Um, burnout is so real like it becomes so easy to like turn what is fun into a job and then it's not something fun anymore it's a job versus a career you know like we talked earlier I feel like sometimes it's not necessarily that you hate art or you hate being a comedian or you hate doing music it's that you burned out of a, a particular area of that you can morph that into something else And it doesn't mean you have to quit your job and work at McDonald's. I think it means (laughs) that you can um, morph that into something else. Maybe it just means you lost the love for what might have been your dream your whole life. But you can still work your passion into different jobs, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. If you get um, burnout in a certain area. That's, like, the most heartbreaking thing. Like, every... It's the most heartbreaking thing to just, like realize that you've grown out of a passion that you love so much that you thought was your career that's that's rough right there yeah I agree and like it's especially scary as you know we're reaching the end of high school you know these things are these things are serious if you're not figuring out what you want to do now then you're going to feel really lost and I know that's definitely something that I have to balance of like knowing that graphic design is the fallback but I'd really love to do music and balancing of not doing anything in excess to where it becomes I'm burnt out Mm -hmm. you know you have to figure out where the line is and how much work you're willing to do otherwise it becomes work and not something you enjoy because it stresses you out you know um setting your horizons to be fairly broad is a good idea because if you just dream and dream and dream about being like um, a caricature artist like on the street and then you get sick of that you can't maybe if you set your horizons to be broader like maybe doing portraits or maybe doing just something more general that might help you not burn out I feel like um keeping an open mind and not settling too much on one position yeah that's true because it's still taking advantage of your gifts and your capabilities Mm -hmm. and your talents without you know selling yourself short or trying to become something you're not because if people see that you do really good portraits then they'll be like, oh, cool, like, what else do you do? And you're like, oh, well, I do caricatures. And that could open the door to new opportunities for you and new uh, possible career paths or things to do as a hobby or in your free time, you know? Mm -hmm. Any closing thoughts? Um, Any advice for the creatives listening? The creatives out there? Um, (laughs) No, I think I'm good. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, such incredible advice. I have no advice, though. (laughs) Um, okay so thank you for tuning in to the how does one podcast i hope that this really helped uh, bring some clarity to the creatives out there um, to help you avoid feeling like a starving artist and like that's the only possible way 
Um, if you enjoyed this, please follow the podcast and leave a rating and review. Um, we upload every Friday and yeah, if you'd like to check out Abby's Instagram, I'll have it in the description. My old my old um, art username used to be a starving artist. So I actually put that in there without knowing that. Like I think maybe you had mentioned it to me once, yeah. but I was just like, oh yeah, I was like that pretty much for that everybody. <laughs> I thought it was Doodle Dog, and that needs to die. Um, <laughs> I don't tell anyone that. Um, wow, that was a word of wisdom right there. That was don't my advice. Name your creators. art account. Doodle dog. Do not name your account Doodle Dog. That's my advice to the creatives out there. You don't do that, you're good. You're set. <laughs> well, thank you, Abby, for helping me with this and just helping me give the best advice we can to people out there uh, questioning their career. Yeah, thank you. I had fun.